When they had come near Jerusalem and had re reached Bethphage, the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds went ahead of him, and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
The good news is this, that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. The one who had the right to judge instead came speaking words of forgiveness and peace. God has spoken peace to us. Let us share the peace of Christ one with another. The peace of the Lord be with you all. I invite you to share the peace of Christ with your neighbor.
Our gospel reading for this Palm and Passion Sunday continues Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 12. Listen to the word of the Lord. Then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple. And he cured them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the amazing things that he did and heard the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they became angry and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babes? You have prepared praise for yourself. He left them, went out of the city to Bethany, and spent the night there. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray. Lord, your love is broken open among cheering crowds and traitors' coins. Deserting friends and hands washed clean. The mockery of power and the baying mob. As we follow your way of passion, give us the faith to bring our weak and divided hearts to the foot of the cross and the door of the guarded tomb that they might be opened, astonished and healed through Jesus Christ, who carries the weight of the world. Amen. Two roads diverged in the yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler. Long I stood down one and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Welcome to Palm Sunday, a story about two roads diverging in our lives. And though we would like to travel both, like Robert Frost, we are each but one traveler with one life to live. And we are given a choice about which road we will follow, the well-traveled road or the road less traveled. And which road we take will make all the difference. I don't know how you picture the events of Palm Sunday, but I normally associate this day with celebration and children, and we have seen both here today. And, and why not, right? Matthew tells us that the children were in the temple crying out to Jesus, Hosanna. And who doesn't like to, to wave a palm and to, to sing Hosanna? I mean, that word to us, it kind of sounds like hooray, right? Hooray! That's not what the word means. Anybody know what the word Hosanna means? It means save us now. It's a Hebrew prayer, a plea. Save us now. The crowds, including children, are crying out to Jesus, save us now. Well, save us from what? What do these people need to be saved from? Well, in answer to that question, 
can be better understood with a little historical context. I only learned recently that Jesus' triumphal entry that we read about here in the Gospels was not the only parade that was going on in Jerusalem on that day. See, every year at Passover, Jerusalem went from a city of around 40,000 people to over 200,000 pilgrims who came together to celebrate the story of God delivering them from an imperial oppressor named Pharaoh. And over the years, Passover was a time when zealous Jewish nationalists would foment rebellion against their new Pharaoh, who now went by the name Caesar. And so to prepare for this, Rome would bring a massive influx of armed soldiers on horseback through the west gate of Jerusalem, an imperial procession on the Sunday before Passover. And the leader of this Roman military parade was a man you might know his name, Pontius Pilate. And that's what the image on the screen, the image on the back of your bulletin is meant to portray. The contrast of Pilate on the left and Jesus on the right, each leading their own procession. So imagine the scene that Palm Sunday, Pilate entering the west side of Jerusalem with a military procession of soldiers, horses, swords, and spears. What kind of message did that send? The answer is, if any of you people even think about rebellion, we will put an end to it and to you. That's the message. And meanwhile, Jesus enters Jerusalem on the same day from the other end of the city, and he's not riding a horse, is he? He comes in on a donkey. What message does that send? Well, donkeys were not animals of war. But we should not be deceived into thinking that Jesus does not pose a threat. In Exodus chapter 4, when Moses and his family travel to meet Pharaoh and to demand that he liberate the Israelites, Moses rides a donkey. And so Jesus is the new Moses, riding into Jerusalem to liberate God's people, which is why they shout, Hosanna, save us, son of David. Save us from our new Pharaoh. Is it any wonder that Rome would kill him by the end of the week? And so what we have are two competing parades representing two different kingdoms, the kingdom of Rome and the thing that Jesus talked about nonstop from the beginning of his ministry to the end, the kingdom of God. And these kingdoms are ruled by different values. Rome rules through violence and oppression, a peace that is imposed by the sword. And in cases of real threats, it's imposed by a cross. And above all else, Rome wanted order in their occupied lands so that the taxes would continue to flow back to Emperor Tiberius. That's what the whole system was set up for. And that's what Pilate is coming to town to secure, to ensure order. And that's what Jesus comes to disrupt. And disrupt is exactly what he does. Immediately after the parade, Matthew says, this parade that put the entire city into turmoil, Jesus heads to the heart of Israel's religious, economic, and political power, the temple. And he stages a nonviolent, 
disruptive protest. Overturning the tables of the money changers and quoting the prophet Isaiah that God's house is to be a house of prayer, not a den of robbers. You see, for Jesus, the the cruelty of the Roman Empire is a given. It's not ultimately his concern. His concern is with the house of God. That Israel's religious leaders, who should be living by the values of the kingdom of God, have instead chosen to corroborate with Rome. They have chosen wealth and power over service and concern for the poor. And Jesus' nonviolent demonstration in the temple isn't because he thought the money changers were being just a little too greedy. It's much deeper than that. He's condemning the whole system as corrupt and misguided. They are concerned with preserving the status quo of those in power. And what is Jesus concerned with? Well, he shows us, doesn't he? He cures the blind and the lame, serving and including the very people who those in power have left behind. And so inclusion is not a modern cosmopolitan value. It is at the heart of everything that Jesus was about and ultimately gets him killed. Now the last part of the story is perhaps the most chilling and poignant for us. When the chief priests and the scribes saw the amazing things that he did and heard the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the Son of David, they became angry. Jesus comes into Jerusalem embodying the values of the kingdom of God in stark contrast to the kingdom of Rome. And the children in the city see Jesus bless the excluded and the marginalized, crying out, Save us now, Son of David, and the religious leaders become angry. And here we are 2,000 years later, and our children are still crying out, Save us now. Save us now because the people in power are not listening. They are putting the preservation of the status quo ahead of the needs of the vulnerable and the weak. And just like then, the religious leaders of our time too often see those calling out for inclusion of the vulnerable and the protection of the weak, and they become angry and defensive. Over the last two years, the leading cause of death for children 1 through 18 in this country is firearms. Now, this may make you uncomfortable. You may not like this fact, but facts don't care about our feelings. Our children are crying out, Save us now. Will we hear their cry or will we just get angry? and self-protective. And friends, I know there are no easy answers here and that the causes of violence are complex, but I also know that we can do better. Complexity is not an excuse for an action. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we must do better. The last thing Jesus said to his disciples before his arrest was, put away your sword. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. If you were speaking to us today, 
he would say, put away your gun. For those who live by the gun will die by the gun. There were two parades on that first Palm Sunday. And they represent two ways of living in the world. The way of fear and violence and the way of love and justice. And only one of these ways leads to the kingdom of God. The other path, the path of eye for an eye, well, as Gandhi said, that leaves everyone blind. And like the people in Jesus' time, we have been seduced by the powers of fear and violence, and it is not hard to see why. It's a scary world out there. But just like those people, we don't know what we're doing. We don't know what we're doing. And the good news is that God will not give up on us or on God's dream for the world. The kingdom of God is God's dream for this world, a world of love and justice and inclusion. And grace, grace is the road that is always before us. Two roads diverged in Jerusalem that day. And when faced with the choice of which road to take, Jesus chose the road of love and nonviolence and self-sacrifice. And he did so not merely that we might watch him do it, but that, so that one day we might learn to do the same. For a day is coming, the prophets declare, when we will beat our swords into plowshares, when we will reforge our guns and our bombs into gardening tools. We will create instruments of life from tools of death. That day is coming, my friends, and it is coming for all of us. The question is, where are you headed? Between now and then, Christ invites us to a life of faith over fear, of inclusion over self-preservation. And which road you take will make all the difference. Amen.